Welcome to High Food and Home, the podcast where food psychology coach and work emotions expert Laura Lloyd teaches you how to unlearn overeating after work, lose weight without dieting, and diminishing your binges using her cognitive behavioral and hypnotherapy method. Chickpea, it's good to be in your ear. I hope you don't mind me calling you chickpea, by the way. I had this conversation with one of my dear friends who've been listening to the podcast and she said, I'm not keen on being called hardworking woman. I said, fine, you want to be called somebody with a great work-life balance? That's totally fine by me. And she said, I'm not keen on chickpea either. So we came up with a few alternatives. I thought maybe you'd like to be called tenderloin or baby corn, she suggested, or maybe peppercorn, or maybe, you know, what's up, corn dog? Anyway, you just have to stick with chickpea for now, but apologies if it butters you up the wrong way. Today, we're going to talk about why trying to stop binge eating is like being in a car chase. As you'll know, if you've been following my podcast, when I was a teenager, right through to my early 20s, I was binge eating a lot. Sometimes I was bulimic. And the process of stopping binge eating wasn't really how I expected. And it wasn't really what I deeply, deeply wanted because I was so desperate when I was binge eating that I would have done anything just to make it stop, just for somebody to come and whack me on the head with the stop it stick. But I'm going to suggest to you that that's maybe not the preferable or realistic way to approach this problem. I'm going to give you an alternative and you're going to hear why it'll be more effective. And I'm also going to talk about the two distinct styles of binge eating that I see amongst my clients and that I recognize in myself. And if you are binging, or even if you're having overeats that get a bit out of hand, then this is for you because you're going to recognize your patterns. And when you see exactly how your habits unfold, you'll be able to see, okay, these are all the different points in which I could intervene in my patterns. First, I just want to jump in and say, well, what is a binge? A binge could be so many things to so many people. You know, for some of us, it's starting a biscuit and finding yourself at the end of a packet of biscuits. For some of us, a binge is quite normalized in our society, like the idea of going out and buying a whole pint of ice cream and just kind of plowing your way through it in front of your favorite film. For some of us, it's a really intense bout of eating where you go semi-unconscious, you really check out of your body and mind and afterwards have so much regret, so much remorse, probably eat to the point of feeling quite disgusted with yourself or perhaps physically sick. And if this is happening multiple times a week, that could classify as binge eating disorder, which is a diagnosable form of binge eating. But many of us are probably experiencing mini binges or perhaps even just what we might classify as emotional overeats. And this episode is really going to help you too, because some of the mechanisms are exactly the same. So let's talk about why trying to stop binge eating is like a car chase, in my opinion. It's not really like when you try and stop biting your nails. At some point, I'm going to make a resolution, take up knitting so I don't pick my fingers, I'm just going to strategize and it'll be gone. Peaceful. But binge eating is a habit. It is a learned behavior. 
but it has a lot more emotional charge and it has a lot more complexity to the habit. It's a, it's a network of habits rather than one big blob called binge eating. But the idea of stopping in itself is feeding the momentum and I'll explain why. So let's imagine you've got your hands on the wheel, you're absolutely flooring it and you're being pursued, okay? And you want to stop. If you hit the brake hard, what will happen? You'll probably skid and crash. In other words, if you try and stop binge eating dead, bam, you'll probably fail. You'll probably crash. You'll probably fall face down in thoroughly frozen ghetto and wake up feeling like death warmed up. Trying to stop almost always fails. It is a setup for failure. Now, why is that? Let's think of a film that has a great car chase in it. Have you ever seen Thelma and Louise? I'm showing my age now because this, this was a 90s film. So good. I want to watch it again. Thelma and Louise, if you haven't seen it, they're two friends and they're driving somewhere and on the drive they get into trouble and the trouble gets worse and worse until they're in really, really deep. They're trying to drive to Mexico They've killed somebody. They've put a policeman in the boot of his own car. They've held up a convenience store owner at gunpoint and they've got stolen money on board. The stakes are really, really high. What would happen if they stopped? They'll be like, no, they'll take the money. You'll have to hand over all of your goodies if you stop. And if you think about stopping binge eating, your brain is going to think, no more cake, no more chocolate, no more crisps, no more nuts, no more snacks, no more goodies. You might as well just take me to jail. Life is going to be over, right? Your brain will consider that as pure deprivation, confiscating everything that you enjoy because binge eating has that double edge of like being, obviously there's a part of binge eating which is highly pleasurable and then it goes on way past the point of pleasure to where you're soldiering on looking for a pleasure that's no longer available from the food. And the same, when you say you're going to diet tomorrow, your brain thinks, oh no, tomorrow we're going to starve, tomorrow we're not going to have any goodies. And it really panics. You know, eventually Thelma and Louise are surrounded by the police and they're a few metres away from the edge of the Grand Canyon and, um, spoiler alert, you know, they put their foot on the gas and go over the edge. And when you think about stopping, it makes you put your foot on the gas even more because you're like, fuck it, I've come this far. Get this food now while it's still in my control. It's gonna be gone tomorrow. We've got to live for this moment. And it's not just the fun food that you would be threatening to take away, it's also your identity. You're also frightening your brain when you tell it, I won't be a binge eater anymore. If you've been a binge eater your whole life or a lot of your life, the food drama will be over and then you'll be very vulnerable. You'll have to face all the other emotions that food struggle was covering up, was taking up the airwaves of. You know, when I stopped drinking, suddenly I had to face up to the fact that I actually have a lot of social anxiety. It was all covered up by the drinking. I had to be that vulnerable person who is actually uncomfortable. 
And also I had to lose the identity of myself as being quite rock and roll, of, of being a party person, of being a fun person to be around, of being a person who goes wild, of being a nutcase. And um, you might not take a lot of pride in your identity as a binge eater, but you might also know where you are with your identity as a binge eater. And without this food struggle, you don't know who you are yet. And that's why when I coach one-to-one with people, we coach over the course of a year because, you know, imagine that, that binge eating has died down after six months. You will then have the community, the support to find out who you are without it as well. So important. When you think of stopping binge eating, you don't think, oh, I'll be liberated from food obsession. You don't think, wow, what would it be like to become someone who no longer desires to overeat? You don't think about how free you'll feel or what you put your energy towards. You think about what you'll stop and how hard it'll be and how hard you'll have to work and how strict you'll have to be on yourself to do that and it frightens you. And in this metaphor, you know, your momentum as a binge eater is fueled by the police behind you, which is your self-judgment that pursues you, dogs you, follows you everywhere, the guilt and the remorse of it. And if you were to stop, you have to face your self-judgment still because ultimately... It's not just for binge eating that you judge yourself, guaranteed. You don't think you are a worthy person. And you won't even have food to forget about how much you don't like yourself or how unworthy you feel. And that's why you need another human, a compassionate human being, like a coach, right, with you, to teach you to love yourself. That's why we go slowly. And that's why the... The alternative to this, slamming on the brakes quickly, is what I call binge diminishing. You've got to massage binge eating out of your life, gently, 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 and build up the value of the life you're going to, and build up your own opinion of yourself as you go, so that when we take away the binge eating, when you when you willingly allow yourself to not binge, or to binge less, or to binge less frequently, or to binge less intensely or to binge less secretly or to binge less unconsciously then you won't feel so exposed you'll have a life to go to to move on to and you'll want to become that person and you'll see beyond it and you'll use it as an opportunity to really heal the self-judgment that was there long before you binge ate, I guarantee. <laughs> so there are two kinds of binging that I see in my clients. I'm going to talk you through them. Let's see if you recognize yourself in either of these. Binge type number one is like a snowball or an avalanche. It starts pretty small and it picks up pace. It normally begins with a little tasting of something, a little thought like, I'll just have one. And then maybe taking that taste away with something opposite. Uh, so you, you, you might be the kind of person who eats a few chips and dips and then goes in for the desserts and then goes back to the toast and peanut butter. Usually it happens when you're not hungry but you're actually looking for some kind of distraction 
some kind of suspension of your mind. And I think that's really natural. Like, I think that when we've been running our brains quite hard on our to-do list all day, trying really hard, striving for success, we can get to this moment in the day where you just want to put a screensaver up over your brain. You just want your brain to switch off. And binging can be that kind of oblivion, that complete numbness. Some people don't even remember their binge afterwards. It's almost like it happens in a blur. Yeah, you kind of check out of your body, you check out, you zone out. And so solving this kind of binging is really interesting because it's actually, it's a series of decisions that stacked up. And once a couple of bad decisions have been made, there's an element of fuck it eating where you just, you know, you might as well keep going because you've already eaten a couple of quote-unquote wrong things already. And the key is really going to be to find points where you can stop. And the good thing about this kind of binging is because it's a series of decisions that you'll be able to diminish this kind of binging by learning to stop sooner, by I've had huge traction by just thinking, wow, I can stop at any time. I might have one or two overeats and then go, oh, well, I still, I can still save the day right here. I can still pivot and make a decision to stop before I'm at the point of self-disgust. And that is what binge diminishing is all about, making these improvements on how you binge gradually until such a point as you're able to head it off at the pass. The other kind of binging that I see Binge type number two is more of a party for one. I'm having a me party, party by myself. I'm having a me party, I don't need nobody else. Having a me party, the first and last to show. There's no one at this party that I don't already know. (laughs) You might be sitting at work. You might be feeling pretty bored and this idea will come to you, ding, I'm going to treat myself tonight. I'm just going to stay in and enjoy myself. And then you start thinking about the food that you'll get and what you'll indulge in. And it almost feels at that point like you're giving yourself something. You're giving yourself something to look forward to. It's a reward. And you're looking forward to being away from other people so that you can have this private experience and you might go shopping for it especially already knowing as you go shopping that you're likely to get something. The idea of the binge, the fantasy of how pleasurable it will be arrives in advance and you you set out to execute your plan. And this kind of binging is also easy to diminish in another way because you can catch the early thoughts. And it might feel right now like once you've got the idea to binge, that the pull, the magnetic pull of the fantasy is so strong that you're not going to be able to get through it until you've actually eaten the thing. But once you learn to work with urges, 
once you learn that that's just your brain badgering you, really trying to make you go down this route again and again, you can start to unwind that and make decisions before you even get to the binge and maybe make decisions about how to really have a nice time with yourself that don't involve going to the shop and buying shed loads of food. All right, my friends. So we've looked at why binge diminishing is a preferable approach in my book. And you've learned about the two patterns of binging, the snowball binge and the party for one binge. And so I hope that's given you an idea of like, okay, now I can start to see the habits, the tiny micro habits that make up what I do, then those are all parts that we can peel apart and start to change. The eating in the car, the driving to the shop, the eating on the sofa, the eating in front of the TV, the the part where you are bored at work, the part where you want to be by yourself. They're all different aspects that we can we can work on and gradually improve. Next session, we're going to talk about this question that I get sometimes, which is, when will eating become easy? So many of you have worked on your eating psychology a lot over the years. You've maybe tried mindfulness and intuitive eating, and it's not like you're not informed and savvy and experimental, but you're not at this point where you can just take your eye off it And you want to know, when does it all get easy breezy? Let's talk about that next week. And stay on, because I've got something lovely for you. All right, Chickpea. If you would like to work with me one-to-one for a whole year and diminish your binges, I have space for two binge eating clients right now. And I am opening up a wait list. You can book a consult with me at Calendly dot com forward slash Laura Lloyd Calendly C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y dot com forward slash Laura Lloyd L-A-U-R-A double L-O-Y-D I'll put the link in the show notes to book a consult call with me. Now normally I give you a meditation at the end of our time together but today I want to share something a little bit different and I really think you're going to benefit from hearing this. This is one of my clients. We've been working together for just two months and she sent me this video and I'm just going to play you her voice. And what I find wonderful about this is sometimes when you are thinking about losing weight or stopping binge eating, you're not thinking about the bigger picture of how this is going to free up your life. And she does such a good job of really nailing these are the goals that I started off with and this is where I am now. There seems to be like some kind of shift and it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like um, food is in control of me. It feels like I'm in control of food, which feels really, really nice. And um, I was just looking back on my start of this and like my little mind map thing about aims and priorities and it feels like like I put to be my own best friend I do feel like I'm being my own best friend at the moment when I'm having negative thoughts or 
in a like I'm noticing my moods and I'm noticing when I'm not in a good mood and I'm making cups of tea in my head um just really thinking oh is that true oh I don't think that thought's quite right it doesn't feel quite right do I want to be thinking that and what does it cause and then thinking a better thought um not on paper but in my head um and that's feeling really nice I've put to feel my feelings more that feels like it's happening to achieve something I've always wanted in all my life um as in my relationship with food to love my body more and I do feel like I love my body more that is so that I'm not at the mercy of food urges again definitely feeling that um feel my feelings more I think I've repeated myself because it's very it was obviously very important um I put weight loss I've put teach to set a good example to my children and that's true as well because I've changed the way that I ask them to eat food as well um which feels really nourishing and right yeah I'm not dictating how much they should eat and we never really did anyway but it's even more gentle now to be proud of myself and know that I'm doing my best yes to be more mindful in all areas of my life and that feels like it's unfolding too to be less stressed about food for it not to be my every thought and that's that's really true I yeah that does feel like that's true um to not use food and to face myself in all situations to like myself more and not numbing myself out and that all feels like really positive at the moment and even at night, sometimes I wake up in the night and I can't get back to sleep straight away. But um, And sometimes the thoughts in my head aren't very good at helping me get back to sleep because I'm kind of analysing what happened in the day or whatever. And um, I'm really actively changing my thoughts at night and like saying that I love myself and just being really kind and gentle to myself and yeah just planting lots of seeds of things that I would like in my life or rather than um like facing forwards rather than facing backwards uh not feeling stuck and um being like open to receive and yeah so much so thank you um thank you for your encouragement your support the material that you've put out there and um all the sessions where I've cried (laughs) I'm guessing there'll maybe many more but (laughs) I just want to acknowledge and um yeah really celebrate how I'm feeling right now and say thank you.